0: We've all felt the changes that have impacted our industry over the last three years, and all signs are pointing to more changes coming ahead. Today, we bring back on one of our absolute faves, Mark Mitchell, and he's gonna talk to us about what he's seen changed and how the clients that he works with are reacting. We're gonna talk to him about things like how customers are now buying products, channel conflict, and even how that's maybe shifting to not be such an issue anymore. We're going to talk to him about how the shifting economy is impacting new homeowners and get some great ideas about what you can do to prepare as we go into the possible recession. There's even talks about what economists on YouTube are saying. Mark brings great industry insights, out-of-the-box ideas, and as always, he's pushing every boundary. You're not going to want to miss what his predictions are for the upcoming recession. All right, let's get into this show. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast. Helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and
1: outperform your competition. All right, everybody. Welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams, alongside my co-host, Beth Papigalov. And we've got an awesome, incredible show lined up for you today.
0: We are so excited to welcome the one, the only, Mark Mitchell. He is one of the leading sales consultants in the building materials industry. He puts out incredible content, small plug for his newsletter, in case you're not subscribed. And we're just excited to have him on. He always brings a fresh perspective. You're definitely about to learn a lot and be entertained. Welcome, Mark.
2: Thank you. Thanks so much. Great seeing you two again.
0: Great to have you here.
2: (laughs) Yes, wonderful.
1: You and I chat a good amount. And the reason why we, you know, for listeners, why we asked you to come on the show is that you've announced that you're hosting your Wizard Summit here in October, which we'll plug here in a minute. But one of the things that you mentioned on your landing page for the event that really caught my attention was that the building products industry has gone through a lot of changes and then more is coming. And I'm it was like, ooh, like, I want to talk about that. Like, I want to talk about, like, what are the more things that are coming? Yeah. And I also selfishly want to hear your perspective and your outlook in reference to the building products industry, because you've been through a number of different types of market cycles in your career. Yes. And so getting your perspective has always been very valuable for me. Like I remember when you were telling me about the 08 recession one time and how it was very, very different than other market cycles in reference to building products. And so I don't want to answer for you, but I want to dive in and just hear from you about what changes you see that are happening and then let's talk about how that relates to the current market climate.
2: Well, the first thing to me that happened was, of course, COVID, which really just stopped everybody in their tracks and caused us to you know, rethink, like, how do we do business in many different ways? And so from there, I, what I think is many things that were going to happen that were going to take, we'll say, five years to happen were crammed down our throats in a year. Mm. I think that people shifted even more to buying things online. You know, like you used to see something and you'd go to the local store, local dealer or something to buy it, whether you just enjoyed that process or you wanted to support the local merchant. But if they're not open or they don't have it, you start to get in the habit of just go online, find the information I need, get the answer to my question. And, oh, I could order it right now. Click. It's done. I can now move on to something else as opposed to, you know, getting in my car, driving to the store and going in, hoping that they have what I want, getting it and coming back home. And so that really just compressed that. And so the amount of times we go online to get information was already, you know, pretty high back in January of 2020. But boy, COVID just forced it up. And so the companies that have, I'll say the best websites that make it easy to find them and to find the information that the customer wants are the ones who are winning. And that was something was going to happen anyway, but this really speeded up. Then the second one is, you know, how we buy. So you have companies who have chosen to sell direct online. Other ones that say, well, I'll leave that up to my customers and that's fine. But we're seeing that shift where more people, even professionals, are buying things online after they found what they want. And so to make sure that it's easy to not only find your product, your information, but also if somebody wants to buy it online, you make it really easy. It's interesting, like in looking at so many companies' websites and you look to say where to buy. And I was looking at deck companies and railing companies, and I think only one company had listed on their where to buy Decks Direct. Interesting. Who is you know this leading online distributor, seller of deck materials. And so it's as if the other companies, they don't exist. So anyway, so we've, so we've seen this discontinuing shift. And the other one is much as salespeople love to get in their car and go drive and see people, They couldn't do that. So they had to get used to using different tools, such as Zoom or, you know, different ways of having virtual calls or texting or phone or email, whatever tools it was, had to rely on those more. And some salespeople adapted really well and actually said, gee, this isn't too bad. I can see more people in the same amount of time than if I'm in my car driving from meeting to meeting. And the customers also discovered, gee, I like the fact that I don't have to meet with somebody. If I meet with somebody, I kind of feel like it's a bigger deal. I got to give them a little bit more of my time. We're going to have coffee. We're going to do something. Even if I really want to talk to them, but I need like 10 minutes of their time. And if I want to meet in person, I can ask them. If I can do it on a phone call or a virtual call, that's even better. And so, you know, that's been a big shift. That was probably to me the biggest shift. The other big shift is I don't think we've ever been in a time when you literally couldn't find many times the product. Nobody has any doors. (laughs) I, I need to buy 300 interior doors from my new homes. I can't find anybody to sell them to me. Okay. What? That was a whole new world, you know, for. customer and for the manufacturer. And so that was another big change that we're we're kind of working through that now. Mm -hmm. People I talk to, customers, it's it's getting better. It's not perfect. They still will have some products that have long lead times and some products out of the blue that they thought were fine all of a sudden are not available. So that's another big challenge that I see that has happened. So those are things that to me happened because of March of 2020. Since then those are changes that have happened and then we're we're set for you know even more coming our way.
0: Mark, you started out by talking about the web presence and you know like manufacturers who have gone to either selling direct to consumer or have an e platform, or at least are making it easier to buy directly from the manufacturer, whether or not they're making it directly available online. So obviously this is a conversation that we have with manufacturers all the time. Everything that happened from COVID and on has really fast forwarded that conversation exactly like you said. And of course, the thing that pops into everybody's mind when you say sell direct or e from a manufacturer is channel conflict, right? So I'd love to know what your predictions are on the future of channel conflict. Do you think that will continue to be a prevalent topic and concern for manufacturers who are wanting to push their products from an online standpoint or sell direct? And if not, how do you anticipate that changing?
2: I think channel conflict, as we've traditionally defined it, being that I'm your distributor, I don't like it when you sell to another distributor and I really don't like it if you're selling direct and cutting me out or you've always sold to me and now you're selling to Home Depot okay you know those types of channel conflict those are over we've stepped past that that's just an accepted customers may not like it distributors and dealers may not like it but they know it's a fact of life so that that one is gone i think that we'll see a new kind of channel conflict. And I don't know if it's channel conflict or channel disruption, channel competition. Everybody today has to continue to earn their value. It's like, if I'm a distributor, I need to keep upping my game every day or I'm going to become unnecessary. Like, how much is it we pay in this distributor? Or how much more are they marking things up? What are they doing for me? Do I need them? And the same with the dealer, the same with the contractor. And so we're going to start to see, I think, that where you see Lowe's and Home Depot really into installed sales. Mm -hmm. I think that that's going to get bigger. (laughs) And I think all of a sudden, you know, if I'm a flooring dealer or I'm a roofing contractor, I may, you know, be now seeing, whoa, I've got a new competitor here. Okay. And am I unhappy with the manufacturer for some reason, you know, do do I feel like they're supporting the other competitor more than me? But I think, you know, we're going to see we're not where we used to just sell the product that then got installed in this drive for making things more efficient and easier. I think we're going to see things like installed sales, Mm -hmm. I think grow. I think we're going to see offsite construction. Bro. We've even seen
1: manufacturers, Mark, talk about this, where they're like, oh, we want to do, you know, could be completely vertically integrated. We want to offer the product. We want to do an installation. We don't want to be at the mercy of, of an installation crew getting our product and actually selling it and making sure we actually get the deal. We want to do this. And the number of manufacturers are, are looking into this more because they see it as a huge opportunity.
0: Well, it's interesting when you think also about the consolidation that's happened in our industry and the consolidation that's happening in all industries. It's important to look at the different touch points that your product has. So it's not just competitor merging or acquiring a competitor. It's a product acquiring the beginning, middle and end. So now I control the manufacturing, the distributing the installing, the warranty, all of that, all of that's under my control. And you're just able to create a better experience start to finish.
2: Yes. I always still have this. um, It's just my years in the industry of how slow the industry is to change, to move along, to try new things. And, you know, to me, I look at like Nest thermostats. I look at how they totally turned upside down the thermostat business i look at elon musk with the, how you buy a tesla car so it's certainly there you know the opportunity is there i'm just sitting there going is there a company that's in the industry today that recognizes this and has the uh courage i uh, can strength of con- their conviction whatever to say no We're going to upend the whole the way the window business does now. Mm. Pella, what two years ago uh, you know did a big thing where I think they list prices, which is like what you know you don't do that. So that was a big step, but you know I think that there's a ton of room for innovation of how we get the products to the person that needs it, and that can involve installation, it can involve warranty. Maybe you don't buy the product, maybe you're just leasing the product. You know, maybe you're leasing a roof from me, right? And so you pay me this much a year. You don't worry about your roof. When your roof needs repaired, I repair it. 20 years from now, when it needs replaced, I replace it. I mean, I just think there's all different kinds of models. And I, I'm i not sure that I see anybody within the industry that would be that innovative.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I think you're seeing small steps, Mark. Oh, yeah.
1: Like we do market research every year on this. And one thing we saw because of the pandemic was that builders contractors even architects were starting to source products directly on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And we're like, Oh, that's really interesting. I wonder if many manufacturers are going to lean into that. And sure enough, I was checking out Huber's website, the zip systems, I think like a week or two ago. And if you go to their flashing section, they have like your traditional, like where to buy. And then they also right underneath of that, they have shop now directly on Amazon and they'd link you directly to an Amazon page.
0: Go Huber. Yeah. That's awesome.
1: Because you're like, oh, is this going to create chain on conflict? Dah, dah, dah. Like I guarantee you, they just, they probably talk to a number of customers and they're like, hey, we buy it on Amazon because it's really quick and I need it like tomorrow because it's tape.
2: It also takes their traditional distributors, dealers and saying, you better up your game. Okay. Yeah. You you can compete in this too, right? But you you know, it's a different business. So I think that can happen. I, I keep thinking that someone is going to come in from the outside with big money maybe it's a company that like uh, Berkshire Hathaway owns or something but who would give them the money to do this but i think Katera had the right idea they just they didn't know how to execute they didn't they were know how too to fragmented. Well no they just had too much free money to me mm-hmm. they had too much money and they started to believe their own crap and they they weren't focused And so they just blew through the money as opposed to like, yeah, we actually need to make a profit one of these days. And so I think that the we'll call it Wall Street, sitting there looking for where do I put my money? And now they're putting it into housing. So they're buying up or building single family housing to rent to become a landlord. Well, they also are very aware of how uh, offsite construction eliminates a lot of the Waste and inefficiency that's just baked into the system, and so sitting there, if they go, hmm, I could get in that business, and and I could compete with home builders, I could compete with commercial builders, general contractors, and so forth. I think we're going to see, and I'll bet there's some people that are already really looking at this, and uh, maybe even testing a few things out on a small scale, but. I think you're right. We're going to see some different ways of doing things. The other thing that I think about is we do not have enough people to hire. We've had a problem where we don't have enough roofers, plumbers, electricians, painters, glazers, you know, on down the line. And then you look at your dealers and distributors and they have trouble hiring people to work for them. And then the manufacturer also has trouble. You know, Mark, I
1: would argue that like I think that's actually gonna change.
2: Well, let me say this. I
1: think the lack of labor listeners,
0: Mark is shaking his head.
1: I know. Yeah. So hear me out. Okay, so (laughs) there was this thing called the great resignation that happened during COVID, right? The economy was flush with money. Yes. And we saw people, you know, they invest that and did really well. And now people are being squeezed financially because of inflation. Yes. You're seeing this the national average savings rate of Americans drop. Yes. And so there's a number of people that were, you know, maybe they stopped working, whatever, and going, shoot, my savings are drying up. I need to go back to work. And so I don't know if this is single handedly going to change the building product space, but I do think the availability of labor across every market is going to start to become a little bit easier because a lot of those people that quit or left, whatever it might be, because they were flush with cash, are going to now have to start working again.
2: I think there's going to be a few feels where that happens. Okay. Like in our field, we had a lot of creative people. It was very easy to quit your job and become a content producer, or it was pretty easy to become a freelancer or whatever you want to call it and find business online pretty quickly. Now, that was easy. It was easy to get the business, easy to do it. Now times will start to get tough for them, and so some of them are going to go. This is not for me. Now I do not think that person is going to become a roofer. I don't think that person's going to go work for L and W Supply as a you know selling a drywall. I don't think they're going to go work for a building materials company. Maybe in the marketing department. Maybe for their agency. So I'm primarily thinking about salespeople. And I know I've talked to you before about I'm really into this guy Peter Zeehan, oh, yeah, and his studying of how declining birth rates and so right now we are 400,000 people short of the number of people that we could employ and it's only going to get worse until about I think he says 2034 when we'll be 900,000 great short Right? That's great to hear. So there's just gonna be fewer people, let's say <laughs> under the age of 40, looking for a job,
1: right? I mean, you saw Elon Musk talking about this too, like the national birth rates, like how it's declining too. Yeah. And then he like famously tweeted comically, he's like, I'm doing my part.
2: Right. So I'm just the point I'm trying to get to is if you had 20 salespeople, and if you look at their traditional building material salesperson tends to be a baby boomer right? Tends to be an older person that's been around. They know the business, they know the product, the customer, the competition, right? Those people are retiring. There's nobody to take their place, okay? You know, you look at the younger generations, being a building materials salesperson is not on their radar screen, right? Maybe working for Google is or Chase Manhattan Bank or something, but the building materials industry has, you know, done a poor job of saying, hey, this is a great industry to have a job in, which it is, but they've done a horrible job. And so first of all, we've got this thing where people kind of, we'll just say they don't look up to the industry, right? I just think that we're going to see building material companies are going to have a difficult time finding as many salespeople as they might like to hire. So that says to me, once again, their digital presence, their website, their Things like in-house customer service and selling, all of those things are now going to become more important because even if you had the money to hire more salespeople, I don't think you can find the caliber of people that would be worth the investment. I understand. Okay. So the industry is going to face this, even if they have the money to hire them, <laughs> I think they're going to have a really hard time finding quality people. And then the other one, it's not going to hit us in the next two years, but it's going to start to hit us quickly, is that we're going to have fewer people. So if you're 40 years old or below, you are a consumer. You buy stuff. You know, you have a baby, you got to buy diapers, you know, then you got to buy school clothes, then you got to buy, you're buying a car and a house and, you know, you're consuming things, right? You get to 40 and then you start to save. Right? You have. I already have a house. I already have this. I have this. I've got my one KitchenAid mixer that I'm going to buy my whole life. I bought it when I was 25, 300 bucks. It killed me, but it's been the greatest investment ever. Right? So I don't need any more. Right? And so we're going to see fewer and fewer people under the age of 40. So we're going to have fewer people needing a new house with a new door with a new roof. Not, not you know, it's not going to be a huge number, but we've we've been kind of spoiled where every year, there were more people were going to buy a deck, more people were going to put a fence in their backyard. And so you didn't have to be the sharpest sales or marketer. It's like you had a nice chunk of the business. If you just did your job, you'd be okay. Marks can get a little bigger, whatever, right? But now, you know, the market is going to start to get smaller. And so now, you know, you're going to be fighting for that piece of your market share. And that's different. You know, people have been able to kind of just coast on the rising tide thing, you know, lifts everybody, lifts all boats. Mark,
1: I want to shift to talk about the economy for a second. Yeah. The numbers, if we look at mortgage rates right now, mortgage rates in a 30-year mortgage last year at this time was 2.65%. 30-year mortgage today is, I think it's at 5.78%. Yes. And so it's really impacting... Homeowners specifically, we we'll look at residential. I want to get your take on what you think is going to happen with the economy. If you had a crystal ball, because you are the because you are the wizard, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh,
2: but well, I just, you know, we've talked about how every recession is different. Everybody assumes that, well, they won, first of all, go, what was the last recession like? So that will be what this one will be mm-hmm. like. And then also they kind of generalize about how it's going to affect them and then if they do something stupid like listen to the news then they get even more depressed okay because how bad the world's going to be and so you know we've also had this huge shift since 2010 we'll say or somewhere in there this huge shift between who has money and who doesn't Mm -hmm. and so the people that have money they don't care about uh 5% interest rate. They want that house. They want to move to wherever they're gonna, they're gonna move. They want a second house, they're gonna buy a second house, right? They aren't that same person. It's almost like I don't think that middle person exists anymore, right? I think there are people that I just graduated from college, I'm looking for my first decent job, I'm working at Starbucks or whatever I'm doing, right? But I'm struggling. Maybe I found we'll say my first job, but it doesn't pay six figures, you know? And so I have a different vision than if I were in the same position 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I've been looking at maybe my getting married, having my first starter house. Well, there aren't any more starter houses, right?
1: So if you're someone in marketing or sales today, Mark, and you're looking at, you know, the amount of mortgages, like I saw a stat recently, let me just pull this up. What do I care? Yeah, home purchase applications have bounced back last two weeks. This is from a guy named Len I don't know what butcher's, butchers last name is Len Kiefer, I think. Yeah. They're only down ten percent from a year ago. Okay. He says it's pretty good considering mortgage rates have essentially doubled over that time period.
2: And those are once again the people that could just barely afford, you know, a 400000 hundred thousand dollar house. Right. Yeah. That's who is To me, now I don't have the stats, I'm just saying what I see is the people that could just afford this, the people that the difference between two and a half percent and five percent means the difference, but we cannot afford that mortgage. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're right. right. Honey, we're going to have to wait another year till we buy a house, right? Those people have been affected. Now, if those people bought a new house, they have no money to fix that house up. They have no money to add on, you know, a nicer kitchen and so forth, right? They're spending everything they can to just get a a roof over their head that they can say, This is mine. But the people just above that and to a way up, you know, they want a new deck. Oh, okay. Yeah, I want a new deck. How much the decks cost? Well, I don't care. How much did they cost two years ago? I don't know. They're not as affected. And so I think that. You can have a mental thing about, oh my gosh, mortgage rates and housing starts and oh my gosh, and all this, we better buckle down. We better tighten our belt. We better this, we better that, right? Okay. That's the stupid way of thinking. The mm-hmm. smart way of thinking is saying, okay, where's the market going? Where's the money going? And yeah. how can mm-hmm. I best take advantage of this situation? And so to me where, you know, a lot of people made the mistake in, we could say they made a mistake or they, they made a choice in order to sell volume, they pared down. If they had a good, better, best product line, well, they got rid of the best, right? Because few people buy the best, right? And they focused on, we'll get to the good and we try to do as many. If we can make a thousand good doors a month, and if we would get rid of the good and better, we can now do 1,200 good doors a month. That's what we're going to do, right? Okay. So now, you know they've kind of given up margin. They've given up the idea about getting people to buy better doors, and they walked away from that. And to me, I would be focused on, you know, the better and best. I'd be like pushing people up toward better and best. And literally, like, you know, if a builder called me and said, gee, I'm sorry, I don't have any of my good doors, but I do have 200 of my better doors. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) But that wasn't the thinking for most companies. So the bottom end of the market to me is going to get tougher and it's going to shrink a bit, right? But I think the top end of the market is still there. And now your job is to say, why should you buy a deck instead of going vacation? Okay? you got $30,000 burning a hole in your pocket, okay? Is it going to be, you know, you're going to trade in the car and get a a newer car? Is it going to be on a vacation? Is it going to be $30,000 worth of closets or $30,000 deck? They're going to spend the $30,000, okay? And so too often, the building materials industry just sits back and doesn't, Fight for their share, they kind of go, Well, if somebody wants a deck, we'll try and sell it to them.
0: (laughs) So, Mark, as we go into this next season of whatever the economy has to hold, I think we're all kind of waiting for the next shoe to drop. What advice would you give to a manufacturer that they need to start doing today?
2: Being closer to their customers and listening to their customers and looking for what are their customers' biggest challenges and is there anything they can do to help their customers be more successful? One of the downsides of COVID is most building material companies got further away from their customers, not closer to their customers. True. And so the channel to me still controls the sale. So it's like whether it's an architectural specification, whether it's the product a builder's going to put in their new home or what a contractor just likes to work with, or the company they like dealing with, or a distributor or dealer, okay? That's where this will be won or lost. And when you forget about the importance of them, and you stop being open to meeting their needs, you know, you see so many companies think about, like, if we, gee, you know, I always think a lot of them have like a MBAs whose whole job is to sit behind a computer screen and look for ways to save money, okay? And they've never been on a job site. They've never met a customer. They have no clue, you know, what a customer does. But yet they'll go, you know, if we stopped acknowledging orders, that would save us $20,000 a year. (laughs) Well, then let's just do it. What if maybe we asked the customer, how big a deal would it be if we no longer acknowledged orders? No, we don't want to know the answer. We just want to save the 20000 right, and piss off at customers. Mark, this has been great, man. Yeah, that's good. I want to make sure we quickly plug your Wizard Summit.
1: If someone is interested in joining, which we've been a part of before, you tend to hold this almost every year, if not twice a year, but you didn't hold one this spring. You're holding one this fall, which is really exciting. Give us some quick details on that event.
2: So the Wizard Summit will be held on October 3rd and 4th. In Boulder, Colorado. It's something that I've been doing since Zach, we think November of 2014. Fourteen. Yep. Yeah. And and so Zach was there, helped me with the first one. In fact, Zach even named it the Wizard Summit. So, but you know, I realized years ago that there's a huge vacuum in this industry in terms of educating people and showing them new ways to do things. You can join the NAHB. It's a great organization, but it won't teach you anything about how to sell home builders. The same with the AIA or the same with the roofing contractors, whatever. So I took it upon myself, you know, back when I first started consulting, saying, okay, there's this big vacuum. So I'm going to try to be that source of information, educational information, to keep people sharp and on top of things. And so one of the, in addition to writing my uh Newsletter and my blog and my podcast and so forth. The other I decided to do was to hold an event and bring people in so that we could spend a couple of days and really go through what's going on and what's changing and how, what should you do to take advantage of that? And not only me, but I, you know, have always had experts in parts of like selling or marketing and so forth that focus, they only work for building material companies. So there's a great group of people there to help keep you on top of your game. And it's about like getting you to think and it's helping expose you to things, challenge your thinking, and then have you have more options about how to move forward. And people will tell me like, you know, at the end of the second day, Mark, what I have 20 pages of notes here. What am I supposed to do now? And so one of the biggest problems is paring that down to like, what are the three biggest things that you should do? You can't do 20, right? What are the three biggest things you should do? Okay, and they can involve sales, they can involve social media or your website or heaven forbid trade shows, you know, whatever. And so it's, it's a great experience that people that come back on a regular basis tell me, you know, it just gets me out of things and you force me to look at my business from 30,000 feet you challenge what I've always believed to be true. And I'm a little biased, but I think it's a great event. We also limit the number of attendees so that we can spend time individually with them on their issues, their questions, their challenges. It's not like you're sitting there with 300 people in a lecture taking notes. You know, you're right in the middle of it. It's true. And Mark, if I want to sign up,
1: where do I go to find that information?
2: Well, the easiest one is to just come to my website at seethewizard.com, and wizard spelled W-H-I-Z-A-R-D.com, and you will see it promoted on there. And while you're there, you should sign up for my newsletter. There you go. Every Sunday night, I I try to see who I can uh, piss off with uh, <laughs> my uh, <laughs> my take on what's going on in the world. And so I think that would be some good stuff. But I'd love to see you come. It's great for salespeople. It's great for marketing people. It's great for the boss, you know, leaders of companies that want to get a, a different point of view and have their thinking challenged. Uh, it's great for them. And then the other one is if you have anybody that's that you know that's been with you for less than a year, this is a great way for them to get literally two or three more years of knowledge in two days. So all of a sudden, they're going to become a much more valuable employee to you. That's
1: great. great. Mark, again, thanks for coming on the show. As always, you bring a wealth of insight and help. And we'll make sure we link to that in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this content, make sure you check us out at benvio.com slash podcast to subscribe and get more. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams alongside Beth Uptigalov. Thanks, everybody.